Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am really excited (laughs) to talk about this subject because it's one of my favorites. Uh, Here's the thing. So those of you who know me, you know I am a spiritual mentor, uh, which means I love to talk about all things divine. I love to talk about the beloved source, God, higher power, the universe, Jesus. I I, I don't care what you call it, but here's what I do know. I do know that the G word (laughs) causes a little discomfort for a lot of people. So we're going to dive into this a little bit. And here's the thing. This is what, this is what today's sucker is going to be called. Here's the title. Don't let them ruin God for you. I will say it again. Don't let them ruin God for you. And let me tell you um, where this whole podcast idea came from. I've been sitting on this one for a little while, right? So I get these uh, ideas. Uh, Sometimes there are nudges from my spiritual team, but this one I knew I really wanted to talk about. And I was kind of just waiting because um, I had a few other other, um, episodes and guests that I was going to have on first, but I got the nudge from my spiritual team around the timing of this when, um, so the other day, so if you listen to the show regularly, or if you're on my newsletter list or whatever, uh, you follow, follow along on social media, then you might know that we um, did a, like a waiting list doors open for the NAS, my spiritual community, uh, in membership. And we had 21 new amazing people join us. Just so fantastic. I get so excited, you guys, when new people come into the NAS because I know that they are spiritually curious. They're seeking spiritual companionship and spiritual community, and they're ready to do some damn work. And um, so when I know that when people are listening to the podcast or if they're reading the words that I write online or like, again, if they're on my newsletter, they can start to kind of like self-identify and say, this is the group for me. This is a teacher for me. This is a place where I want to hang out. And why I say that they're a group of people that want to do some serious work, some personal, some personal uh, ego personality rehab, as I say, (laughs) and some spiritual reclamation work. And I'm telling you all this because the spiritual reclamation piece, the reclaiming is the piece that I really want to talk about today on the Karen Kenny show. And one of the things that comes up, so whenever there's a new group of people that come into the nest, you know, we have a welcome call, an orientation call, uh, and then we usually have like a Q&A call after that uh, with the whole group. And there's, a, there's a, a continuous thread that I have seen, not only in the nest, 
But in all my years of being a certified spiritual mentor, and even before that, as a yoga teacher who really led very spiritually kind of informed and influenced and inspired classes, uh, they weren't just asana based, right? So the one thing that I hear people say to me all the time or bring up questions about or make comments about is this idea of how they no longer really feel connected, quote unquote, like to the word God or to God itself. Um, people will say everything from, I haven't prayed in like 10 years to, um, uh, I'm a recovering Catholic. I hear that all the time, <laughs> which always hurts my heart a little bit when I think about how much um, damage people feel they have been through ah, because of the church, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things I've always tried to remind people is I kind of say it like this. I say, don't throw out baby Jesus with the bathwater, <laughs> which is my way of saying, don't let them. And them can be numerous people. Them can be your parents cramming religion down your throat. Them can be if you used to belong to a religious community or a church or something that you went to, or maybe you were a kid like me, you went to CCD classes. You know, I was, I was raised Catholic as well. Um, or it could be a situation with a priest. I got a story for that. Um, but what I'm saying is so often when we're younger, we end up getting a sour taste. People end up getting a sour taste in their mouths because of the way that the adults in their lives or the leaders in their lives or the people with power in their lives, whether you were literally born into a family that was into a, like an occult situation or some type of like hyper-religious uh, revival, whatever, you know, experience. Um, I just know for a lot of, a lot of kids, once they become of age and they start to have um, agency and autonomy and authority in their own life, a lot of people will let go of the, um, the, the words or the familiar, you know, things of their childhood kind of oppression, <laughs> but they don't then stay curious enough to find a replacement for it. So we see people feeling disconnected, alone, a little untethered, a little lost, a little not sure what they believe, um, or they go 180 degrees and they're like, you know, I'm atheist, atheist, I don't believe in anything. And so one of the things that always, like I say, oh, my hat gets a little, like a little, uh, like a little, uh, little contraction when I hear how the concept of quote unquote God, right? The G word, the divine. Uh, you know, it gets soured for people. It gets ruined for them. It leaves a bad taste in their mouth. It makes them, you know, like sometimes you say the word and I could just, if I'm in public, right. Or if I'm doing, um, if I'm speaking sometimes when you say that word, you can, you can just feel how that word, right. And I often say like, when did God, when did God become a dirty word? Right. When did, when did G O D like the literal spelling of that word and the speech of that word, it's so amazing to me the power that that word seems to have in the collective consciousness of, of human beings and how some people really, um, like you can just tell their whole face goes like, oh no, right? Like they're just not comfy at all. But usually it's not because they have personally had a negative experience with God itself, the God of their own understanding, the divine source universe. Again, don't care what you call it. 
it's usually because of the way that that word has been forced upon them or used as a weapon against them or made to feel guilty or shameful or sinful or whatever. And circling back to the spiritual reclamation piece, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. Um, um, I write about this in my book, my memoir that I'm working on. So I'm not going to like go, I'm not going to tell a wicked long story. I'll give you a, like a cliff notes version of it, right? Just to kind of, to, to tell you my own spiritual reclamation story. Uh, Catholic kids will totally be able to relate uh, to this whole thing. But for those of you who don't know, as a Catholic kid uh, growing up, you know, we have like the seven sacraments. We have all these things. So first of all, you're born, then your parents decide if you're going to get, you know, your uh, baptism, you get, you know, you get the holy water on your head and the whole thing and you, you choose God, you choose Jesus, whatever. <laughs> and then they're, they're doing all of this for you, P.S., because you're a baby. Uh, most of us get baptized when we're children. I have heard of adults later who convert to Catholicism, you know, they get dunked or whatever later, but I'm just saying uh, as a baby, you know, not our choice. So we kind of get born into the experience. Then you make your first communion, right? Then you have your uh, confirmation uh, and on and on and on and on, right? And then you get married in the church and all that shit happens later on. So, but one of the things that happens is you also have to make your penance. You have to go to confession, <laughs> which is what you'll sometimes see in movies. Like if you ever watched a movie, like you might be a kid who grew up, like my sweetie grew up with like no religion, right? But if you grew up in a, in, in a church, you know, in a Catholic church, or you've been to one, or you've seen like, um, if you've seen movies and stuff with it, that take place, you know, in churches, uh, then you have seen <clears throat> the little confession boots like off to the side of the church, right? So these like little, like the Boondock Saints. If you ever watched the Boondock Saints, one of my favorite movies, it is a little violent, but it's still a really great movie. Um, if you kind of watch that movie, you'll see, right? So you go into a church, there's these little, little boxes off to the side. Sometimes they have curtains, sometimes they have doors. And basically a priest sits on one side, you sit on the other side. And you go into the box, like you're sitting in the dock. It's already so bizarre. Like when, when you talk about it out loud, like it just always makes me laugh. So you kind of go in all like secret squirrel. There's like this little sliding divider thing, right? So the priest is on one side and then there's like this little window of almost like hard lattice, like lace, right? So you can't always see each other through, you know, not well anyways. And you're kind of sitting in the dock, which already makes you feel guilty and dirty and sinful, right? <laughs> like, why do I got to sneak into a box and confess my quote unquote sins? But anyway, so you like, you go in there and all of a sudden it's like, shh, like this spy shit. Right. And the priest, you know, is like now listening and they're not usually facing you. Like they sit to the sides. It's like this profile shot. Right. And they get their ear attuned to what you're saying. And you got to start off by saying something like, forgive me, father, for I have sinned. And here's the other thing. Why is it always like some, some old dude, usually an old white dude that you got to confess to. Right. It's not like women in the box, you know, cause women aren't allowed to be priests. Right. So you get some old dude like, Oh God. Right. And you're sitting there and it's like, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And then you have to say something like, it's been this amount of time, three months, four, whatever, since my last confession. And then you got to kind of dole out what you did wrong. And then, you know, you got, they, they basically make you say this thing called the act of contrition. Now, this part is important to the story. I'm getting there. But I'm just laying it out for the uninitiated, right? Then you say your act of contrition, which is like a little prayer thing, where you're basically asking for forgiveness. And then the priest... How you doing, Father Patrick? 
right? He like basically, uh, you know, gives you gives you that penance and and on behalf of God as the authority as the middleman, he basically like forgives you. And then he gives you your punishment and tells you to go to the front of the church and say this many Hail Marys, blah, blah, blah. All right, so that's kind of the process. So the last time I ever went to confession, it was shortly after my mother had been killed. I no doubt was still in a state of like shock, little PTSD, completely overwhelmed by life. Um, my aunt, my auntie Shirley like drops us off at the church you know, get a little money to put in the, in the little box. And, and here's the one thing I will say, people often, I'm, I'm taking a little sidebar. People will often make the assumption. They'll be like, oh, so you're a recovering Catholic too. Like, oh, like you gave up the church too. Like, oh, you get, and it's not so much that like, I don't feel that strongly about it in terms of where I would, I've never called myself a recovering Catholic, but I just don't really go to church anymore because my church resides within my own heart. We'll get to that in a second, but it's not like I stand there because here's the thing I've known some, well, I haven't personally known, like, I don't know priests that personally I've heard have molested kids or whatever, not, not, not priests. I've personally known, not saying they didn't exist in Lawrence mass or whatever, Boston, but I just didn't know them. I didn't know, uh, you know, I've never had a friend come forward and tell me that they personally was molested by a priest. Um, but but I do know they exist and I do know a lot of bad shit has happened, right? By especially these people who are supposed to hold sacred trust. And it's just, it's so awful on so many levels, but that's not what this, that's not necessarily what this, this exact story is about. Um, but I've also known some really amazing priests. Um, and so people who genuinely were doing the work, trying to do their best to, to represent love and do the work of God and be a safe haven for people, right? There's always, there's always both. <laughs> there's always examples of really shitty people doing really shitty fucked up things. And then there's the people who take their work sacred and they understand it's a true ministry and a mission, right? So I'm not throwing everybody, I'm not throwing all the priests out either, even though I understand the patriarchy, whatever. I'm just saying I've known some decent human beings who have tried to do good work in the world and they happen to wear a collar. Okay. So, um, I just want to make that point because people just assume that I'm like, uh, really anti whatever. And I'm just like, no, I just found my own way. And that's what this story is about. So anyways, I go into the, the confessional booth. It's a long story, but let's just say this at the end, I forget my act of contrition. <laughs> my sister's sitting outside the booth right? She's waiting for her turn to go in. She's in the pews, like just waiting, just sitting there. And, and when I forgot the contrition, the priest like lost his mind. Now he has no idea that I have a newly dead murdered mother. He has no idea who I am and what I've been through. All he knows is like, I'm a bad little sinner, right? Because I've forgotten the act of contrition. I've forgotten the act of contrition probably because I am stressed out of my mind, just trying to survive the awful things that have happened in my life. That wasn't really high up on my list of priorities. And uh, he yelled at me and I knew everybody who was sitting in the church could hear it. I knew that my sister could probably hear it. And I knew that I was like, I was just embarrassed. And so when I came out, you know, slide the curtain aside, whatever the deal is, and you step out and there's my sister with a shit eating grin on her face, just like loving every second of it. And I'm just like, like a dog with its tail tucked between its legs, you know, and he tells me, go to the front of the church, say this many, blah, 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 blah. You do your homework. Remember you asked contrition yells at me, right? And then like, here's your punishment, right? So when I get to the front of the church, again, you can read all the details when the book comes out, but cliff notes, I get to the front of the church. And I look around and I kind of just 
look at the big, because you know, it's always going to be a monstrous, like huge Jesus, like suffering somewhere. So I look up, I see that, look over at the stained glass windows, look over at Mary, all the statues of, of sweet, merciful Mary, like holding the baby Jesus. And I, I'm just like taking it all in. And I, and I have this realization where like, you know, like, fuck this, right? This is all available to me. I don't need some middleman. Right. And so in that moment, I literally say to God, I just, I look at Jesus. I look at Mary. I look at, say, I look at all the, you know, the saints on the wall, all the whole thing. And I, I just go, Hey, look guys. <laughs> hey, Hey God. Psst, hey psst, God, here's the deal. Here's the deal with me and you from now moving forward. You got something to say to me. You say it right to me. And if I get something to say to you, I'm going to say it right to you. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm cutting out the middleman. Now I didn't stop going to church. I just didn't feel the need to sit in a box and start confessing my sins anymore. Right. There's certain things about church that I loved and I laugh about it now. Right. Even to this day, if I'm driving and God forbid, I see an ambulance or somebody, you know, an accident or whatever, I always make the sign of the cross. It's like it's in your DNA as a Catholic kid. You can't help it. Um, and then the other thing is I, I love holy water. I love the idea of going into uh, a sacred building. Like I love churches. That's the other thing. Like when I traveled uh, to England and Ireland. And I went into all these old stone abbeys and these churches and it was just like, oh my God, it was just so incredible. And there's something about these sacred houses of worship that I do really love. Uh, I don't always love what goes on in them. This is a separate thing. I'm just talking about the structures in the building and, and what they really were intended for. And you know how they say like, um, Texas ladies, <laughs> This might sound like a, a stereotype, but the Southern, Southern women, let's just say that. Uh, but don't, trust me, us in the eighties up here in the Northeast, we had some pretty big hair too, but they always say the bigger the hair closer to God. And so I just, that's how I think of churches too. Churches have those really tall steeples because I really think they're trying to get as close to the heavens, to the divine, right? This concept of the divine being above, even though I really believe the divine is also within um, but I just love the metaphor, metaphorical and, and kind of the symbology of that. Um, so holy water, right? So I just love the idea of that, like dipping your fingers in the holy water and then like, you know, blessing yourself. Like you're, it's, it's ritual and that's what it really is. It's recognizing the sacredness of what I'm about to do. It brings us fully into the present moment. If you're paying attention, opportunity to be incredibly present. And to understand what I'm about to do. I am about to make conscious contact, conscious connection, deepen my relationship, choosing it consciously, right? With the God of my own understanding. So I just think it's a really powerful thing. But now I look back and I think, oh my God, all the germs, like how many germs of all these people coming in before mass and dunking their fingers in the same water. And we never once thought about it never once thought about it. I mean, it just cracks me up now when I think about it, but here's the thing, spiritual reclamation and we're back. So I decided that I wasn't going to let this guy, this priest ruin God for me. I wasn't going to let my shame, my embarrassment, feeling like a dirty old sinner, like so guilty. I was so bad. Right. And I was just like, no, 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 that doesn't feel right for me. And that's what started my spiritual quest of really starting to uh, de develop my own personal relationship with the divine. And that's what I really want to pass on to you guys and invite you into your own curiosity of what might the beloved, what might the divine, what might source, what might, you know, um, the perfect oneness 
like really look like for you and feel like for you? And what would that experience be? Like no matter whatever the experience was for you as a kid, maybe no religion, maybe some bad stuff, like, you know, the church, blah, blah, blah. You, you, maybe you never felt welcomed by your community because you were LGBTQIA or something, whatever the thing is, this is like my invitation to you to consider. I'm not saying this is right for everybody. P.S. by the way. But for those of you who have been feeling disconnected, for those of you who've been feeling like you want to uh, have a richer or deeper spiritual life, or you just want to begin a spiritual life, or you're just curious about what it could look like to have a relationship with the divine. And it's one of the things that comes up a lot in the nest. And that's why I was telling you about it in the beginning. It's like, we'll get this influx of new people. And then all of a sudden we'll start to you know, see these questions emerge on the Q&A or the posts in the group when really in the NAS, what we're doing is, you know, we're talking about those, those, we're talking about a lot of things in the NAS, right? Um, you know, healing and spiritual, um, you know, community and spiritual connection and spiritual tools and resources and like how to navigate this whole human being experience, like using these spiritual perspectives, right? From, from, from different traditions and stuff like that. But here's what I'm trying to say. One of the things that often comes up is somebody will say that they kind of get turned off of God. And that always like hurts me. And I always say to them, I don't care what you call it, you know, call it your higher power. It's kind of like what they say, you know, in AA, um, there's a, there's a, a great quote in, um, I want to say it's the, the daily reader or something like that. Um, and I found this the other day when I was doing some research for my book, actually, and it was a quote about like, kind of grappling with, you know, can I have a relationship with something that I can't quite fully name or understand? Right. And I always want to say to people, yes, this isn't about coming into it. Like faith is something that grows. Faith is something that unfolds through personal experience. It doesn't come from somebody else telling you what to think and somebody else telling you what to believe and somebody else telling you how it is. This is about, I think, the longing and the desire in our own, in our own hearts to go home, to feel a true connection to something that really loves us. And, you know, I, I've known people who said, well, I don't really necessarily believe in God. Like there's a, like an individual God who like knows my name and has my address and all that. But I do believe in the divine. I do believe in the sacred. I'm like, good, great, good enough. Like I just am like, start somewhere. Because I think that it can be, you know, sometimes a really difficult road. It's already so hard being human. It's already so hard to be here in, in the human classroom, in the human experience, right? It's like one big experiment. It's already so hard to be here when we don't feel like we have any internal stabilizers or things to rest on. And again, I'm not saying that the word God will even resonate with you. Some people will say goddess. Some people will say the one. Some people will say nature. Like, again, I don't, I have no attachment to what you call it. I always say it like this, insert your happy word here. <laughs> but what I don't want to be stripped away from you, what I don't want to be taken from you or ruined for you, or soured for you, or make you feel ill or uncomfortable, is this idea that there is like the divine around us and within us. Because we all, I believe, have a divine spark within our hearts. 
And I think so much of this human experience, uh, you know, what we really are seeking is the experience of God. And I know that I think of it like, you know, whenever we hear a particular piece of music or a song or we read something, those of us who are writers and love words, we read something or we see a piece of art or we see a baby, you know, be born or we see a little kid giggle or we see a dog with his head out the window. Like for me, every time I see a dog with his head out the window, just like wind in its fur and it's little, he's just so happy and he's in his full moment, he's in his glory. I think, ah, there's God. Whenever somebody shows tenderness and kindness and compassion and generosity, I think, ah, there's God, you know? So it's like what I'm trying to say to you, and that might not be the same vision for you. Some people are going to be a lot more rigid and strict and they're like, Jesus is God. This is the only way, or it's Allah or, but whatever your belief system is. And that's fine. But what I'm just inviting people to is into the experience of if you used to have a connection and it got ruined by something awful or just too much or people telling you whatever, I just want to invite you back into the fold of thinking about it. And that's one of my favorite things. Like I always say, you know, this deep spiritual work that we do and spirituality is different than religion. Religion is all dogma, right? Religion is very dogmatic. For me, I could be, I'm not, I always say I'm not a theologian scholar, right? I don't have a doctorate from friggin' Harvard Divinity School. But what I do have is, is a deep, deep, deep love of the divine. And my greatest, uh, one of my greatest joys is helping people to reconnect consciously to source. I, I believe we can never, we are an idea in the mind of God. And I don't think we can ever be separated from our source. Course in Miracles also tells us this, right? But I do believe we can feel that way. I do believe we can feel alone. We can feel disconnected. And I think so often when people, like I said, when, when, when they hear a piece of music or they hear what, what they're, what they're really having in that, in that moment where they're like, oh, or they start to weep or they have a lot of joy or a lot of happiness. I, to me, what it is, is the memory of God's love. It is the memory of the divine. And I think we get like spiritual amnesia. We get spiritually like shut down. And this is an invitation to come back home to it because I, I just take a look around the world right now and I just think like, man, man, this is kind of a shit show. <laughs> and, wouldn't it just be amazing if more people, more people started coming home to the truth of themselves, that they are an extension of that divine love that is that divine spark that's in their hearts. Like, what if we ignited that within everybody? Maybe we could stop trying to like hustle around the world and have, have, have leaders and in, in corporations and all these things, right? Trying to do stuff out of greed and gluttony. And maybe we start to do things out of goodness and out of generosity. We actually start to live from a place of love, which I think is what the divine is really all about. To me, when I think about God, like, you know, it's not like some old guy, like in a white robe, although sometimes it's really helpful for people to envision it that way because it personifies it in a way where it feels tangible. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do that. I'm just saying it gets to be whatever it needs to be for you, your relationship with the divine. I can't tell you what it is, what it should be, how it should look, 
But I often talk about it like this. Ralph Waldo Emerson has a beautiful quote. You've probably heard me say it on the show before, where he says, God enters into every, God enters by a private door into every individual. And I always say, my job as a spiritual mentor is to let you know that there's a door <laughs> and then maybe kind of show you the path to the door and say, here's the door. But I can't make you open the door. I can't make you step through the door. I can't make you want to go through it. I cannot imbue you with the curiosity, the desire, right? That passion to know yourself in a new way, to know the divine, right? The beloved God source, again, insert your happy word here, whatever it is. But I do want you to think about what that might be like. And, you know, there have been times um, as a speaker when I've come off stage and I've had people come up to me in tears. This is, again, this isn't about me. I'm just trying to say the effect, the effect of the longing. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me over the years and said, I haven't prayed in like 15 years. I haven't talked to God in so long. And, and, you know, what you just set up there makes me want to. I'm going to pray for the first time tonight. And they're weeping because they've missed that connection. And maybe you've never had it before. And maybe if you're listening, all of this, you might just be rolling your eyes and you're like, this is a bunch of bullshit. And that's okay, too. You, uh, none of this is, I, I'm never telling you what to think. This is always, always an invitation for you to think for yourself and to ask yourself, what do I believe? What do I want? Do I want some sort of a connection? Do I want the mundane to feel more divine? Like, do I want to? And that's really the work of the nest too, is taking the spiritual life and weaving it into and recognizing that our whole life, our whole life is our spiritual life. But to actually have these moments throughout the day where we're remembering to bring it into our own awareness that we're not just like little fucking zombie robots, like just going through life and checking the boxes and doing the things that we live in a very present way. And spirituality can be incredibly practical. You know, part of the nest I always say is like to help people to, uh, it saves them time, energy, and suffering. <laughs> Because when you have spiritual tools in your spiritual toolkit, man, it just makes navigating things here like so much easier. So really, this is just like a love letter. It's a love letter to anybody out there that has been put off of, feels like God's been ruined for you. If that word is like a really big trigger for you or whatever, like maybe we can move beyond that. I'm not saying you should, and I'm not telling you a timeline. I'm just saying maybe because if, if, if it's called, if anything that I'm saying right now is making you curious if it's calling to you. And even if it's starting to like, how do I say this in a way where I don't sound like a big blue meanie, but like if, even if it's triggering you a little bit, it's like, what is that about? What's the meaning? Because here's the biggest thing. Here's the biggest thing about the G-O-D word, the G word that I found for people. You know, it triggers them because of the meaning that they're assigning to the word the context, the meaning that they're assigning. And I always think it's only like a little three-letter word, but man, man, does it pack a punch for a lot of people in both ways, right? And so what I'm saying is, what's the meaning that I've assigned to this thing? And usually it's some old story. It's some old story of experiences that are attached to that word of things that were done to them in the name of God, right? When I think about... Um, 
when I think about that family, it's so fascinating to me. Human beings, man. Human beings, man. Um, you know that group of people? I can't think of their names, and I really don't want to give them any airtime. But that that hateful, that hateful group of people that will show up at like, um, you know, big funerals and stuff like that with their signs like "God hates whatever," and then they fill in the blank of whatever particular thing they happen to hate. Right. And I'm always like, you should be wicked suspicious if your God all of a sudden hates all the same people you do. Um, but I always just think like human beings have basically bastardized, corrupted, um, hoard out that word, God, for their own means, for their own, for their own purposes of manipulation, for their way of obtaining their own power. And I'm just like, you can't go around telling people what they have to think and have to believe. And please stop being God's spokesperson on that level. I think invitations of love, that you are welcome here. You are included here. Your voice matters here. You're a part of our congregation, our group, right? That to me is beautiful. I think inviting people to come into the fold of safety, of love, of that there's a different way that, you know, we're a community. It doesn't have to be this hard, right? Like all that stuff I think is beautiful. So it's like, why do I have such a vested interest in this? Like, why would I spend 45 minutes like talking about this? And it's because here's the thing. I you know that saying where it says, you know, hurt people, hurt people. I always flip that and I say, well, happy people tend not to hurt people. Not on purpose anyways. And one of the things that I find um, when people have a deep spiritual life, when they have a deep spiritual, a genuine spiritual practice, meaning they're not just sitting around theorizing about this God shit. They're not just talking about it. They're not just reading about it. They're actually applying it, living it, practicing it, learning from it. Even if they're screwing up, they're getting back up, they're making amends, they're trying to do better. People who really tend to try, and I'm not talking about the conspiracy, like the, the, the conspiracy kind of like wackos that go like way whatever, right? And that might not have sounded nice, but I'm just saying, I'm not talking about people who use God in a manipulative or, or mean or whatever way. I'm talking about the people who really put in the time to become more loving, kind, generous, empathetic, right? Which is what it's all supposed to be about. Let's say that again. This love, kindness, compassion, the extension of that love, the care for each other, the being able to witness and see other people suffering and wanting to be a helper, the divine life, hashtag the divine life, right? It's about, it's not about forcing God down anybody's throat or trying to make people believe this or kicking people out of the church or doing you're not welcome. I don't know. I'm always amazed at the way that humans will try to just use even the most beautiful things and turn it into something like a weapon. You know, don't let them use God as a weapon against you, right? That, that's all bullshit. That's very human flawed thinking and behaviors. So again, I don't really have much to say. It was just something like beyond what I've said. It's just that this is something that's been on my heart and mind is that I feel like sometimes, you know, you can just energetically, mentally, spiritually feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're wandering in the desert. 
And, you know, Swami Kripalu, who is one of my, my great spiritual teachers, um, I'm a Kripalu yoga teacher, been a Kripalu yoga teacher for over 20 years. Uh, and Swami Kripalu, uh, the word Kripalu literally just means compassion. Uh, and he used to say, Swami Kripalu is such a lover of God, such a lover of the divine. And he would say something like, I'm paraphrasing, but he would say something about that we are, he said, we are all lakes, we are all lakes of love, but somehow we still find ourselves so thirsty. And that's what I think about sometimes is we are out sometimes in the spiritual desert, not even realizing that there's like a lemonade stand right there. <laughs> And we can we can get something to drink, right? We can get a we can get some water. We can get a little a little beverage refreshment to quench our thirst. A little spiritual beverage, you know what I'm saying? Because I just don't want that for people. And I know, especially too, in in the in the arena that I'm in, in the you know, as a creative, as a writer, of course, yes, I I think of writing as a deeply spiritual act. Um, but even in the entrepreneurial space, right, as a solopreneur, as somebody who's had a business for over 20 years, call it the coaching. Now, now I kind of moved out of having a physical brick and mortar space, right? I had a yoga studio for 10 years um, and I became a spiritual mentor. And now I have like multiple ways that I'm that I'm helping, you know, with spirit, storytelling and spirituality. And um, oops. Um, and one thing I can say that in, in the coaching and entrepreneurial world is that if you're going to start a business and you don't get your spiritual life right, if you don't get your spiritual mind right, if you don't get your spiritual heart in alignment, good luck with that. Good luck with running a business. You can have all the positive mindset, affirmations, whatever you, you want, but it's like you can't, there's not enough strategy in the world that makes up for, you know, makes up for um, people who feel spiritually lost. And so often, the things that most entrepreneurs bump up against in their inability and in their inability to show up in the way that they want to and the inability, it goes from everything from the creative piece to the pricing piece, to the marketing piece, to like, you know, being a leader. How do I be a good leader? How do I like, how do I bring, how do I bring this vision of this, this thing that I'm creating into alignment? Because if it's not, and if, 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 the, if, the, if the stuff of the soul <laughs> is not helped, then your clients, yourself, you, whatever, it's really hard to take um, positive, successful action when there's not a lot of alignment going on. And so I'm always inviting my entrepreneurial friends like to do the spiritual work, to do the personal ego personality rehab work in the spiritual reclamation, because that goes a wicked far long way. Uh, because like I was saying, if somebody does not have um, self-love, if somebody has not done the work of using spiritual tools like meditation and prayer and contemplation and silence and being able to sit with themselves and being able to write and revise the stories and attach better meaning and do all the work, do all that work. Good luck running something successful. So it's just, it's just an invitation for anybody who's listening right now. Maybe you've been putting it off. You know, maybe you've listened to one of my shows and then left and then like came back. But I'm telling you, if, if any of this is resonating with you, then it might be time for you to just get clear and say like, hey, yeah, how do I, how do I want to start developing or creating or cultivating either um, discovering for the first time or maybe deepening your relationship with God, with source? 
with, with the universe, with the oneness, with whatever you call it. Maybe you don't have a name for it yet, but you're curious about it. And I just say, like, we all have that divine spark within us, every single one of us. And, you know, the work that we do can stoke that fire, can stoke that flame. So you guys, don't let them ruin God for you. Please, if, if you're a kid who looks back or if you're somebody who's ever mumbled the word recovering Catholic or whatever, you can reclaim that, that deeply personal and private relationship to yourself. You, you, you can become the church within that you worship. I always say to people, my church, I go to church all the time. I'm, I'm, it's like every single day. I feel that connection. That's why I always say to my clients, right? I always say to my, my members of the nest, divine connection before Wi-Fi connection. Go in, connect to source before you start going out and connecting to others. And that, that's a whole other conversation for another day. So you guys, I hope this was helpful in some way. Um, you know, I really am big about people doing personal empowerment, taking back their power, remembering to whom they truly belong, whatever name you might call it by, just call it love if that feels, if that feels good. Because to me, that's, that's what the divine really is. That's what God really is, is uh, all the love that there is without having to earn it, without, you already came through worthy. You're already worthy of it. You don't have to earn it. You do totally deserve it, right? Just don't let them ruin the experience of that unconditional love for you. Right. And the last thing I'll say, too, because I know people get hung up on this word a lot, the word sin, like we're, we're, it's just like sometimes crammed down our throats that we're terrible, guilty sinners and we could never earn God's love. We could never deserve it. And if we're not good, we're going to get punished and go to like all this stuff. And I just think like, oh, my God, the one thing I often say, too, is, you know, the nuns that I knew as a kid at St. Michael's, uh, you know, went to school there for, I think, like two years or whatever. I said they taught me more about fearing God than they did about loving God. And now I'm really into loving God. My, I don't know about you guys, but my God is a merciful and loving God. <laughs> so uh, I extend to you that that is the possibility for you as well. So you guys, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you too, is that if you want to talk more about these kinds of things, you want to learn more about these things, about how do I develop my own relationship? How do I make a deeper connection to my, my spiritual team, to my inner teacher, to spirit, Holy Spirit, like all these concepts that allow us to move through the world with more peace and more happiness and more, more freedom, really. Isn't that what this is all about? It's just having more freedom, more liberation. Yeah. Deciding for ourselves what's true. <laughs> That's what the nest is all about, you guys. So deepening that relationship to self-source and spirit is primary because it's what everything else is built upon. So if any of this interests you, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that we are doing a public opening of the nest for everybody. So anybody who's listening, anybody, whatever. And that sucker is coming up September 13th, I think through the 20th. It's like Monday to Monday. Uh, the doors will be opening up and they won't be opening up again to the public for probably at least another six months. So September, this will be your last chance to kind of um, get, get in there. Um, unless it's, I do like a secret squirrel, like backdoor thing, whatever, but I can just tell you right now, uh, it probably won't open back up until like April. So now's your chance. So you just go to karenkenny.com slash nest. The doors will be open on the 13th of September. But in the meantime, if you go to that link, 
karenkinney.com slash nest. It will just say, get on the waiting list, join the waiting list and just get on that sucker because then you'll be like some of the first to know when the doors do open. So um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I never, ever, ever take it for granted. I know how, um, how busy people's lives are. I know how much energy um, is being asked of you, how much of your time and your attention. And it can feel like that there are so many things in your life that are competing for your energy and your time. And the fact that you took time today to hang out with me is pretty fantastic. Oh, and I also wanted to say as a little catch up um, that just thank you so much to everybody who took the time to leave me a little message on Facebook or Instagram or sent me a DM or an email or a text message. Um, you guys have been hearing me talk about um, my sweet little Buckminster biscuits, little buckaroo, little buckets, um, my beautiful little dog, my companion for 14 years. Um, but we had to, oh, we had to say goodbye to him on Monday and um, I'm just missing the shit out of him. You know, that's just the way it is. I miss him so much. I love him so much. I know he's always with me. In fact, he, he sent me a little sign, which I'll tell you guys about on another episode. But just thank you for your kindness and your compassion. Um, whenever, whenever people extend that kind of love, again, I always say to myself, God is there, right? And uh, it's so beautiful. And I appreciate you so much. And just thank you. That's it. Thank you. Uh, you know how I always say at the end of the show, wherever you go, leave the people, the place, the animals, and the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Well, so many of you have been a blessing to me these past weeks. So just thank you so much. I love you. I celebrate you. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.